0: If I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-10. through 10. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who breaks the law, in fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we're continuing our sermon series through the New Testament letter of 1 John. Uh, this is week three in our look at this important but short book of the Bible. And where we see and where we read the books, uh, words of John, who, called Je- who was called by Jesus to serve as a witness to the life, to the ministry, and to the resurrection of Jesus. In John 21, which is the Gospel of John, you'll remember with me that as Jesus appeared to the disciples and after he had breakfast with them on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he gave Peter the designation that Peter would die for the faith. He would be uh, the great shepherd of the sheep. He would take over in the position of Jesus once Jesus ascended into heaven. And then Jesus turned to John, who is the beloved disciple, and said, your role is to be the witness of faith. And so John took that role, John took that commission that Jesus had placed on him, and he applied himself for the rest of his life to be a witness for the faith, to be a witness to Jesus, and to be a witness to what he had seen and what he knew had happened in the life, ministry, and then resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this letter this morning, we're reading words where John wrestles with the messages that are being taught By others who have left the Christian community and they are teaching and and sharing beliefs and ideas about Jesus that John does not know is John. They're not true. And so as his role as a witness to the faith, he is working and he's seeking to combat these teachings. And he does so by focusing on the core of the gospel, which is that Jesus Christ died for our sins and through Jesus we are offered forgiveness and we are offered love, and we are offered grace from God. And so as we go through this short letter of this book, I invite you to keep in mind why John writes this letter. He's writing it to confront these false teachers, and he's writing it to articulate and to emphasize the core of the gospel. And so as we read all of his words, we have to keep that in mind as we read it. In this morning's scripture, John begins by telling us of the magnitude of the love of God that God has extended to each of us through Jesus. He writes this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we shall be, what we will be, has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. If the words of this scripture sound familiar, you may have heard them as part of a funeral service that you've attended. These words are the words from 1 John that are often included in the recommended readings for funeral services because they help us to find comfort in the presence and present and future hope that we can have by God as He offers it to us through Jesus Christ. And so we read these words and we receive the promise that God has offered us through Jesus. A promise that reminds us that at the end we will be in the presence of God Himself Not because of our work, not because of anything that we have done, but we will be in the presence of God himself because of what God has done through his son Jesus. And so we receive assurance in these words of our salvation. We receive comfort, we receive hope, and we receive the title that God has given you where he has made you a child of his. Because these words, in addition to comfort and hope, are also words of ownership, aren't they? And I don't mean ownership in the sense that God owns us, but what I mean by ownership is the understanding that God has claimed you as a part of His family. By His love for you. God has claimed you as a part of His family. Out of His love for you, and He calls you a child of His. In Romans 5.8, Paul writes, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this means that Paul, in addition to the words of what John is writing, are both telling us that God has claimed us before we ever recognized or knew that we ourselves needed his love or needed his forgiveness. In Methodist language, that means we say that God has offered us his grace. In the words of John Wesley and his brother Charles, where they talked about grace, grace being a gift that God gives to us out of his love for us, a gift that is not to be taken for granted, a gift that when received is to be accepted, and then a result of that acceptance of grace means that we change who we are and how we live and how we choose to follow Jesus and pursue our relationship with him. But it's all because of God's action that he has already done in choosing to claim us for his own. And it's in God's invitation that allows us to respond, allows us to to receive, and allows us to pursue what God has already given us. In the letter it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. In 1 John, this is a gift that is greater than any word or phrase that John could put together. Because what he is saying to us is he cannot contain the immeasurable love of God that's given to us through Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we're made more than just followers. We're made more than just disciples. We're made more than any title or or word that you can place on what it means to be a follower of God. Because John says, and Jesus says, that God considers us and knows us as His children. Which means He's included you in His family. Which means that you are His son, which means that you are His daughter, which means that God has claimed you for Himself, not by your action, not by the action of your parents, your family, your friends, or anyone else. God's claimed you for Himself by His own action. This means he has chosen you, and in choosing you, he has given you his love for you. And all we have to do is accept that love, receive that forgiveness, and in grace, believe in Jesus. See, friends, this means that when we feel disconnected with others, it means that we still have a family. This means when your earthly family has maybe not lived up to its potential or has caused more harm than help, you still have a family. It means when our church family is not exactly perfect, there's still a perfect family that we are part of, the family of God, which is the only perfect family. If you think of every family... The only one that is perfect is the one that God has crafted himself, God has brought together, and where God has claimed each of you as his child. That's the only one. That's the only one that can be perfect. It's the only one that we should look to and see as perfect. Because it's the only family where you're claimed as a child and where you are claimed as a child of the creator and the king himself. And if you think about it, we work so hard to find the perfect in this world, don't we? And part of that is when we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves. We place unrealistic expectations on others. We place unrealistic expectations on what we believe needs to happen or should happen or what someone else should be doing. And it doesn't really help anything. I don't know about you, but how often when you have placed unrealistic expectations on someone else, have you gone away content at what has happened? Usually not ever, right? Because usually what it does is it leaves us disappointed. It leaves us disenchanted. It leaves us frustrated. It leaves us angry. It leaves us whatever word is you feel. Because it doesn't do anything for us. Which is why we need Jesus And it's why we need to look to the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, to see that the only perfect that you and I can ever be part of, whether that's a family or a community or anything else, is the family of God Himself. Because God has welcomed you into His family. And He already loves you as His child. And He wants to include everyone who seeks Him out and chooses to believe in Him. He's already included you. But all he does is invite us to respond. Friends, I think it's easy for us to read these words of John. And, and because we, we are in the church and we've read other portions of Scripture, where, uh, we, like the Gospel of John, where John repeatedly tells us about the love of God and about how the love of God is demonstrated to us through Jesus Christ, I think it's easy for us to, to kind of take these words for granted. But John's words that we're reading today were countercultural to the communities who read his letters. In North Africa, um, there was a, a biblical scholar and theologian named Tertullian, and he lived in Carthage from 155 to 220 AD. And, and he wrote that at the time of John's letter, and as he read this letter of John, you know, this letter was coming to a church and to a community where people were still allowed, if they didn't want their child, they would just, after the child was born, they would take the child into the wilderness and leave it, and it would die of exposure, or I guess from wild animals. And so for a culture and for a community of faith where this is the norm think about how different it was for them when they're reading where Jesus himself and where first John says to them every one of you is a child of God and God recognizes you and sees value in you before anyone else ever does That's a game changer That's a culture changer That's a community changer. Because in the community of Jesus and in the perfect family of God, everyone is valued. As we seek to set aside sin, as we seek to set aside those things that hold us back from God, and as we seek to pursue a right relationship with Him. And so for those reading this letter, they would have read it and said, how could God have claimed me and included me in His family before I have acted or decided? Because God's love is different from who we are and from how we love as human parents and as friends and as family. Because it's in his love that we are held accountable. Not to punish us so that we can love him in a greater measure in return. But in love we are held accountable so that we are encouraged. Because we're invited to do something more with our lives and with our faith than we can ever do on our own or we can ever do by our own merits. It's in the love of God that we choose and we strive to leave behind what holds us back, what encumbers us, what trips us up, what serves to be an obstacle for all of us. It's in the love of God that we pursue which is that which is bigger and greater than anything that you and I could ever do or accomplish on our own. It's in the love of God that we join with the perfect family. Both the present perfect family, as well as the perfect family of God's work throughout creation and throughout the history of His relationship with humanity. In Hebrews twelve eleven, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If we have the hope that John writes about, and if we claim the title that God has given us as his child, then our only response is to change our lives. Our only response is to make every effort to be pure as Jesus himself is pure. Our only response is to make the choice to abide in Him, to belong in Him, to seek the active transformation of our character into who we know that Christ wants us to be. And it doesn't mean we become perfect. It doesn't mean we become sinless. But what it does do is it means that in Christ we do our best to avoid all type of sin, and we decide to stop actively seeking it out. What it means is we no longer allow sin to set the tone for our lives and to set the tone for our interaction with God and with others. We leave it behind, we set it aside, and we choose to no longer actively seek it out. Instead, we choose to seek Christ and His presence in our lives. And one of his commentaries on this passage of scripture, N.T. Wright, who's a biblical scholar and theologian, used an example of a new tone, that, a tune that we play, when we no longer allow sin to set the tone for our lives. His comparison is if you play a musical instrument, of which I'm not going to do in my demonstration, and as you're working on a new piece of, instru- uh, of music, you know you're working and you're practicing, and at times you may have a finger slip out of place and you may occasionally play the wrong note. In his comparison, he says, this doesn't stop you from playing the new piece of music. It doesn't change what you are playing. It doesn't change the notes that are on the sheet of paper that you are looking at. But what it does do is it does help for us to be, see an illustration that in the Christian walk, we can be changed, and we can be in pursuing change, even when at times... We slip and we play the wrong note or sin. But it doesn't stop us from being a follower of Jesus. So where do we go with this scripture? We have to identify where we're placing unrealistic expectations on ourselves and others. We have to give those expectations over to God with the realization that the only perfect thing that any of us can have The only perfect relationship, the only perfect family, the only perfect community is the one where God Himself calls you His child. We have to own that we are children of God, meaning God gives Himself for us and He's done so out of a full expression of His love. He's done so before you recognize that you needed it and He's done so before you acknowledge that you need forgiveness. And all we have to do is accept that. And he does all of this inviting us to change, to abide in him, and to allow Christ to set the tone for our lives as we play the new piece, knowing that occasionally our finger might slip, but that knowing that that doesn't change who we are and what path we are on, to be known and to be called a child of God himself. Amen.